Welcome to I Missed It, the podcast where we watch and talk about a show that one of us wanted to watch again and the other one missed entirely. I'm Ryan and I missed it. And I'm Brittany and I didn't. And we are on Buffy, season two, episode 19. We're so close (laughs) to just being done with another season of Buffy. It's not like we're almost done with Buffy or we're almost to Angel. We're just almost done with another season. I Uh, mean, we have like 25 episodes until Angel. That's a whole season. Yeah. No, it's a whole season. Uh, but season two, episode 19 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I only have eyes for you. Sunnydale High School is haunted by the ghosts of a former student and teacher who reenact their tragic romance through the bodies of the school's current inhabitants. Yo, this one's good. I love this episode so much. This is a good episode. Uh, I'm probably going to give this a nine. Yeah, nine and a half. It's straight up one of my favorite episodes. It takes a while for it to get going, mm-hmm. um, but they bring it all back around and they really use the entire episode. They keep pulling from things that have already happened. and It's mm-hmm. really, really good writing and really good storytelling. Really, really good storytelling. And it pushed the plot of the whole season forward. They did a lot of interesting things. It was a very... Very good episode of TV. Uh, and then as far as Buffy episodes go, it's one of the best so far. Yeah. Granted, not the highest bar <laughs> to hit. Yeah. Buffy is very good in spurts or small plots is what I'm figuring out. Mm-hmm. It's very rare for a Buffy episode so far, at least, to be good for the entire 43 minutes. Yeah. I truthfully, I can probably think of maybe one episode that I'm like, start to finish. This episode is fantastic. Yeah, I can't imagine it. I mean, that's just hard to do. Like, regardless of what show you are, that's hard to do. Yeah, start to finish. 43 minutes is a long time. Yeah. I can think of one episode of Buffy off the top of my head, and it's probably the most tragic episode of Buffy. So you remember this pretty well? For the most part, Yeah. There's honestly, when I'm, when I take notes, I write like what I remembered and rarely write anything in the forgot part, but I put quite a few things in the, what I forgot, but I remembered most of this episode. I just didn't take a lot of notes because I like it. Gotcha. I have many notes, mostly positive, I think, Mm -hmm. and then the handful of criticisms are the uh hey this is buffy this is what's established and it still doesn't make sense right yeah this is certainly an episode those of you listening along go and watch this episode yes i want to rewatch. apparently it holds up yes because it's- we've had other episodes i'm thinking of ted mm-hmm. that on the first watch i was like whoa this is pretty good and you were like no this sucks yeah on the rewatch this one does not suck on the rewatch no I I love this episode. Sad Buffy is sad. Yeah. Sad Buffy is very sad. SMG got to use all facets of her soap opera training. 
Yep. In this episode, all three of them. There's not many when you are on a soap. <laughs> nope, not in the slightest. But yep. she got to look sad, and she got to look longing, and then she got to point a very shaking gun hand. It's very soap opera. Apparently, it's what she's good at. She got to have the tears. It felt like the episode really worked because they really leaned into something they knew she could do and perform well. Because she did. She was actually pretty good in this episode. And I think that's the first time I can say that. Yeah. And from what I understand in reading the trivia on Internet Movie Database from this episode is the two actors who played Grace and James filmed that entire section first. Sure. And they showed it to Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz and they did their best to like imitate it. And you can tell, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, from a directing standpoint, that's how I would have done it. Yeah. Rarely, especially in TV, do you get to pick the film order that specifically and then mm-hmm. have stuff done that you can then show other actors. Yeah. That's not usually how shooting schedules work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's talk about that part first and we'll get to everything else. I think that's pretty much what this episode is. Yeah. So, uh, James and... Meredith? No, the actress's name was Meredith. Grace. Grace. James and Grace uh, are from the 1950s. James is a student. Grace is a teacher. They are having a fling. Um, She tries to end it. It goes poorly. They chase each other through the school. He pulls a gun on her because it's the 50s and you brought guns to school, I guess. Um, And then accidentally shoots her. Yeah. I mean, you can't really accidentally shoot someone if you're pointing a loaded gun at them. Yeah. That's just shooting someone. Yeah. If you're purposefully pointing a gun at someone, you're not. It's not an accident. But then uh, she dies, and then he goes and commits suicide in the band room, and then 40-odd years later, he's still haunting the school. Yep. Because the Sadie Hawkins dance is coming up, he is possessing couples, basically, and they're reenacting what happened Mm -hmm. and he's trying to find an out basically trying to make it end a different way yeah he Um, wants forgiveness yeah so we see the same dialogue being performed multiple times by multiple pairs of actors Mm -hmm. um and always done well too every pair they had do it was pretty good eventually at the end um buffy and angel end up doing it and they run the entire scene and they're cutting it through with with the James and Grace one. Yeah. And it's just very well done. Like, it's just a top to bottom, a good piece of storytelling. Yeah. I agree. The whole point of why it stops, like, it goes a different way is because Buffy is being possessed by James and... Angel by Grace. Yes. Whereas usually it's vice versa. They, yeah, the male possesses... James possesses the male. Mm-hmm. It is turned around and Grace is able to forgive James because she possesses Angel, who is already dead. So... so he gets shot and is yeah. unable to actually die. Yeah, so Buffy does shoot Angel. Yes. That happens. Mm-hmm. Angel is then fine. But they are not they are not Buffy and Angel in those moments. Correct. So we don't really see a lot of it here, but the other people that got possessed and some of them made it to the shooting, some of them didn't make it to the shooting, the gun disappeared. 
they had no idea what was happening. It had to be explained to them after the fact. Right. Well, the janitor said he knew what was... Well, he didn't say it, like, on screen. Um, Giles said it based on, like, a conversation that they had, I guess. He said that the janitor knew what he was doing. He just didn't know why, and he couldn't stop it. Right. So, it was not immediately clear in the episode that Buffy was going to totally remember this. It doesn't make sense if she doesn't. Right. Same with Angel. Because why else would you do this episode? You wouldn't do this and have them go through all of this only for them to not be able to remember. Right. But in the moment, it felt like, okay, are they actually going to be able to remember this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because there are no consequences episode to episode on this show. <laughs> None whatsoever. Yeah. I can guarantee that that snake bite wound on Cordelia's face won't be there next episode. No, probably not. <laughs> Even though I'm going to guess that getting bit in the face takes a while to heal up. I would imagine I would like to not test out That's this theory, true. Though. That's fair. Snakes are yucky. <laughs> So let's start now with our Angel sighting. Angel is in this episode. Obviously, we've already talked about him. Um, Angel does not show up until 15 minutes in. And even then, he has three scenes in this whole thing. And they're the best three scenes because he's Angel and he's very, very good. Mm -hmm. He and Drew and Spike have found a new hideout in the garden. The guard. The garden. Yeah, you kind of jumped... When it came on screen, so I assume that this is a place we'll be returning to. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful set that recurs the rest of Angel's time on. Gotcha. Buffy. So we're going to keep going back to it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Drew is crazy and then has a vision about what's happening to Buffy. Angel goes to try to kill Buffy, I guess, in the school. Yeah. He basically he says, "I'm done. I'm done having fun." Yeah. And then. Uh, he just decides he's he gets bored. possessed. Yes. Yeah. So that's important to know that a vampire can get possessed. Mm-hmm. And then later, Drew does ask him if it was a demon. Yeah. So that's interesting that a demon can get possessed by a different demon. Because vampires are demons. Yeah. They established that at the beginning. Yeah. So that's interesting. We'll see if they ever use it again, but it's interesting. I tell you. I don't um, know. And then Angel later... Has the entire scene with Buffy in the school, and it's good, as we already talked about. At the beginning, Buffy gets, I put quotes around the word asked out by that guy. To the Sadie Hawkins, yeah. He does a very good job of trying to get her to ask him. Yeah. He's a very nice boy. Yeah, he seemed very nice. He knew exactly who she was and was... Very descriptive. He was polite. <laughs> yes. He dressed well. And even when she said no, he wasn't a jerk about it. He was like, oh, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah. It was probably <laughs> the nicest person Buffy could have found. Right. <laughs> and she she went all Buffy on him. Yeah. Could have had a completely different show if she would have just said yes to Ben. I assume Ben comes back later. 
No. I no. just remembered his name. Oh, you name. just remember his name was Ben? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because he said it at the beginning, or he said it, and it, it, like, caught on. There's also another character later named Ben. Gotcha. Side character shout out. I don't know what that voice was, but that's staying in. <laughs> For this episode, there's many side characters actually in this because they had to keep doing the uh, people getting possessed thing. Right. Um, so, but my side character is James, the one who did, mm-hmm. did the shooting. Yeah. Because he was pretty good. He was only in like, he only showed up in like three scenes. Yeah. Also, and that was like a day of filming, maybe two days. Possibly, too, because of the makeup. They had to come back a second day for just for him. Yeah. Um, But um, James was played by Christopher Gorham, who has done... He's an ugly Betty. He is an ugly Betty. He's also... That's how I know him. (laughs) He is currently voicing The Flash in The Death and Return of Superman. Is that a show or a game? It is a... It is two films, technically. Two animated films. He's done that a couple of times. He's done other things. Magicians. He voiced the Flash in a couple of uh, Justice League movies, apparently. Also, he was, it was on Once Upon a Time. He played the Wizard of Oz. Nice. Um, he's done quite a bit, actually. But the thing he's probably most known for is Covert Affairs. See, I'm... You've never seen Covert no. Affairs. I know him from Ugly Betty. Yeah. Uh, but in Covert Affairs, he uh, plays Augie. Anderson for five seasons he's on this show he's on it the whole time he's a main character for the entire thing um and he's blind oh he's who you're talking about yeah he's the the blind FBI agent who was not born blind but was a a marine army something like that over in the middle east and bad things happened shrapnel and he lost his sight okay so then he had to relearn how to live basically um but augie is an incredible character and christopher and christopher gorham does an incredible job portraying him and it's very very good um so i was very excited to see a much younger christopher gorham show up in -hmm. this but it was very strange to me to watch him act and move his eye line gotcha because augie's eye line never moved I mean, good. I mean, he he did it, and he was very, very good at it. And it was, I think it was, he was one of the first, the character was one of the first, like, bigger blind characters. Uh, I remember, because I just watched Covert Affairs again, I think last year, maybe? Yeah. And I remember him doing an interview talking about how he walked into the role not totally knowing what he was getting into but trying to do it justice and then after the show came out how many um like letters and how much fan mail and support he got from the blind community and how he became like a, almost a symbol for them mm-hmm. um and how he he grossly underestimated how important this was that he get this right even though he was already trying to do it right, it right and, and and well and correctly and he talked often about the weight of that and wanting so desperately to uh, to do it right, um, especially since he himself is not blind. 
Did he talk about, did people think he was blind? People did think he was blind um, for a bit. Then there's an episode on Covert Affairs, I think it's in season two, because I think the first season was a half, season two, and he they, they show, we, we learn how Augie was blinded. They do flashbacks, and he's not blind. Right. So it's it's interesting. It's very interesting. Right. And well, that just reminds me of, um, like, Kevin McHale in Glee. Because I've been listening to their podcast, Showmance, and he talks about how they would go to, like, when they were on tour, they would be put up in hotels and stuff. And he talked about how frequently he would walk in and have these gigantic rooms because they would give him the handicap rooms. Because, because they thought, thought he was, he was in, a wheelchair. in a wheelchair. And he's like, um, have you seen the show? <laughs> because he dances. He dances a couple of times, yeah. You have to see those episodes, though, to actually know. And to understand that Kevin McHale is probably the best dancer. On the show. And he's the one who can't dance. Yeah, he's the, he's the uh, pop star. Yeah. He's the boy band pop star. Anyway, uh, Glee's real good. Kind of. And Covert Affairs is real good. Watch season two of Glee. Don't watch anything else. Season two and then... And then we can find... Well, we and can, then the quarterback. Well, we can like make you like a playlist on YouTube of all the good performances you need to watch. Yeah. I can tell you exactly what episodes yeah. to watch. Um, Based on your mood, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Covert Affairs is, actually, is pretty good and it held up. You have to yeah. actually like the uh, the whole spy game thing, but it's it's Piper Parabell and Christopher Quorum, uh, Peter Gallagher's on there the whole time. Well, now that I know that it's him, maybe um, I will watch it. I didn't realize. Also, it's uh, Hill Harper is on for a while. He's the guy. Yeah, he's on um, the Good Doctor. Yeah, he's on the Good Doctor. You know, he's uh, fertility Doctor, issues. Doctor <laughs> um, Doctor Marcus. Yep. And Dudek is on it. For 32 episodes, um, she was Amber on House. Mm-hmm. Or the Krav Maga girl from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Uh, Send Heel Ramamurthy, I think I said that right, is on it for a while. Uh, he was just um, Dr. Ramsey on The Flash. Um, oh. Um, blood, Bloodline? Blood? Yeah. Whatever. I know what you're talking about. Wh- whatever that, that one was. Yeah. Weird, like, five episode yeah. thing. Right? Uh... This is the big bad. Oh, just kidding. Yeah, there's a lot of good... Uh, anyway, this is now a Covert Affairs fan cast, apparently. Covert Affairs is good. You should go watch it. What else you got? Um... Snakes wrong. Snakes. I'm a snake. From the snacks. I'm a snake. <laughs> Cordelia gets bit by a snake. I remembered that. If you know what that reference is, tweet it. <laughs> tweet it at us. Cordelia got bit by a snake. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they decided to not eat lunch that day, and they just had snakes instead. Well, they showed all of the lunch. They showed everybody get their lunch, and then it turned into snakes. Yes, you know. 
And you think you're going to have chicken parm, and it turns out to be snakes. Yeah. I did jump a little bit. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, the snakes, and then there were the wasps later, and the everything. Like, mm-hmm. Plague of Locusts. Like, it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then it doesn't relate to anything in the story either. It just happens. Right. So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, I have an issue. Okay. With the school not closing when a teacher is murdered. Yeah. But if a bunch of snakes show up, there's no way we can have a dance tonight. You can't. You can't have a dance. There's too many snakes. Which time are you talking about when the teacher was murdered? In this episode. Okay. It has happened many more times. <laughs> That's why I'm and asking. They have not closed the school. They haven't stopped anything. You know, when they say they're... it's like a gas leak or like the, the basement gets destroyed. Oh well, just don't go down there. We don't. When have their class principal there. was brutally eaten by hyenas, by by people who were possessed by hyenas, the yep. school didn't close. No, nothing happened. Mm-mm. But snakes can't can't be there nope that's it that's the line apparently like that of all things was the line and it happened after someone was murdered there this episode (laughs) oh boy oh boy that would be very different today (laughs) it should have been different then okay so while we're talking about things that would still be different why is willow teaching this class I understand that she has to be in that room so she can find Jenny's things and find that floppy disk. Yeah. I understand all of this. How is Willow teaching a class? This is not computer club. Right. This is not like after school tutoring or something like that. She's the teacher of record at this point. Right. And they. she even said when she took over before, she was only taking over until their computer sub was coming like jenny i think jenny died on like a friggin thursday or something like that so she taught the class on friday or something like that like and because she said the computer the computer sub or whatever was coming monday yes and that has been weeks that was weeks ago weeks or months depending on how time works right jenny has been dead for a while a while long enough that giles has moved on to a different stage of grief yeah I don't get it. I don't understand it. And from what I remember, she doesn't go to school to become a teacher either. Because she's so passionate about teaching. She's so excited about it. You'd think that would carry over into her going to college to become a teacher. You'd think so, but maybe she just needed to get it out of her system. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. She's like, I already did the teacher thing. Now I can focus on computers. Right. Um, but she- on that, Willow's going to be a witch. Like, they start exploring at this They did. They, there were several things in this episode that push forward to later seasons, uh, apparently. I just have knowledge of these things. Uh, she talks about finding all of Jenny's sites about paganism and magic and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then this is her first ritual. Mm-hmm. Baby's first ritual. Right. And she was really excited about it. And it did like- not go well. I mean, it did what it was supposed to. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. But, like, the ritual was just them lighting candles and forming the magic triangle and then saying, hey, if there's anything evil, come on out. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, it's a hell mouth. Everything's going to Everything's <laughs> wrong. Right. How do you get this specific thing? Yeah. 
So, so maybe more specific rituals. You got to be specific mm-hmm. with what you're asking for. Yeah, she'll learn. She'll learn. But also on the note of foreshadowing future seasons, Principal Snyder's back. Yes, it's been many episodes. He is back. Yeah, the actor must be back from filming whatever else he was doing. <laughs> Um, but he does show back up, and he has a very short and interesting conversation with the police chief. Yeah. Uh, after all of the sneaks show up, and uh, the police chief is walking in, and the mayor and he are talking, and Snyder says, there's a hell mouth here. It won't be long before people put it together. Yeah. Uh, that came out of left field. Right. I forgot that he knew. That might have been the most interesting thing that happened in this episode, yeah. actually, is that the people in authority know bad things are happening. Yeah. And, and it was why very, bad things are happening. It was very glossed over, too. Like, yeah. it wasn't, oh, we're going to stick to this. It was kind of just yeah. glossed over. But they did name drop someone that you were very excited for. Yeah. It's not that I'm excited. It's that I don't know how to <laughs> give proper words the mayor is a huge character a bomb character he's such a great character well from the um buffy game that we played i know some about the mayor just from reading the descriptions and things and yeah being a person in the world the big bad of season one is the master Voldemort. yep the big bad of season two is angel well angelus yep david boreanis the uh, reins taken off this episode and just got to act. Mm-hmm. And the big bad of season three is the mayor. Great. And then we get the Angel TV show, and, and all yeah. will be right with the world. Yeah, and then we just get Angel. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what the big bad of any other season is. Four, five, six, and seven. <laughs> I don't remember. I know in seven is when the Hellmouth opens up, and that's when Nathan Fillion shows up. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that, but I know we have a ways to go. Yeah, I think technically the big bad of what they would consider the big bad of season six is there for like five seconds. So like so. Voldemort. Well, like Angelus. Oh, like Angelus. Giles oh, you never about, did your side character. Oh, I mean, my side character was Grace. I put Grace and Jane. Grace, I thought she was very good. She was. Grace portrayed by Meredith Salinger. She was in the new Race to Witch Mountain. So that's something. Yeah. I don't think I've seen her before in anything but Buffy. She is the voice of Clear Sky in the My Little Pony universe. So that's something. She's also the voice of Supergirl and Teen Titans. Voices on Robot Chicken. She voices in the Lego DC universe. She was a voice on Star Wars Rebels. She was in Star Wars 7. She voiced Barrisaw Fee in Star Wars The Clone Wars. And I, you know what? I thought I recognized her voice. You have no idea what that means. No. Nope. that's fine. Good on her. I know if you do anything with Star Wars, it's a big deal. So good for her. It is. And if, especially if you do it and then they ask you to come back. Right. It's a lot of people do Star Wars once. Yeah. And I was going to say that Giles knew that there was a ghost, but he was convinced that it was Jenny. 
Ooh, yeah. Let's talk about Giles. Yeah. Let's please talk about Giles because I loved watching Giles being so stubbornly wrong. Oh, yeah. He had an entire, like, mini piece of dialogue because it wasn't a one line, but it wasn't a paragraph or anything. It was like this small piece of dialogue where he talks about how he wants the teenagers in the Scooby gang to tell him when he's wrong and to challenge him or other adults because it shows that they ha- they that adults don't just have the power and blah 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 and that they can think for themselves yeah and, and all, all of that, all that stuff. stuff yeah except for right now because i'm right and you're wrong yeah like it was a wonderful piece of dialogue i didn't write it down i re- i really wish i would have but it was it was very well done yeah, it was very well delivered. It was very well written and very well staged, too. Like, <laughs> because he says it. Was it was a very specific camera shot. Right. Like, he says it. He goes into his office in the library and then comes out to finish the line and goes back into his office in the library. It was done very well. But yeah, he thought the ghost was Jenny mm-hmm. and was convinced and nothing could deter him from he was so convinced he started doing a seance at one point we didn't totally see it but he said he was trying yeah Uh, i kind of wanted to see that happen Mm -hmm. because the ending of jenny calendar was so rushed that i think the show needs that moment at Mm. this point yeah and if they don't do it right now they won't ever do it Mm -hmm. and they didn't do it right now Yeah. yeah we get at least for me, I feel like we get closure with Jenny, but it takes until, like, the final episode for that to happen. The and it, finale of the whole thing? I mean, of this season, Of, sorry. of this season. Okay. Yeah. We get closure with her, or at least I feel we do. At the end of the season? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. So what was your favorite line? When Angel comes in to the school... To talk to Buffy, and he says, fun fact about wasps, they have no taste for the undead. That's pretty good. Angelus one-liners are delightful. However, Principal Snyder and his one-liners also returned. So I greatly enjoyed, you stink of lies, (laughs) said to Buffy. Yeah. There are a lot of really random and good one-liners. Like, Xander had a bunch in this episode. Yep. It's a good episode. Yeah. A handful more things I have here. Um, We opened with a band. And the band played for a while, and yeah. it was a whole thing. Why was that not Oz's band? I'm right. No Oz in this episode. No Oz. You had a chance. He, It could have been his band very easily. Yeah. And they specifically didn't. Maybe that was the band of that song. Right. I think... Maybe that would make sense. It's a very 90s thing. Yeah. They frequently get bands and performers on there who are, like, actual musicians. Sure. Which makes sense. If you're doing it that way, then fine. Great. Do it that way. But that was your way to have Oz in this episode and with Willow being there. And it it could have worked really well. I was waiting for something to happen and it did. Uh, Buffy is hell-bent on killing this ghost. 
but she has not thought through how she's going to kill this ghost. Right. Like, it's again, it's just one of those little moments in this show where it's a great moment. But as soon as you start thinking about the moment, it falls apart. Yeah. Case uh-huh. case in point, the final shot of this episode. At the very uh-huh. end of this episode, Angelus and Drew go hunting and they leave Spike in his wheelchair because he can't do anything. And Spike very dramatically stands from the wheelchair. Yeah. And then the episode ends. And it's incredible. Until you start to think about it. Okay. Because that entire dramatic moment is based on the assumption that we know that Spike should never walk again. Or that we know how hurt Spike is and how long it should take him to recover even as a vampire, but it's only taking him this long instead. Oh my gosh, it's a miracle, or it's amazing, or something. And we have no idea how any of that works. We don't even really know what's wrong with him, besides he got beat up in the fight and thrown through a wall. And a building fell on him. And a building fell on him. But we haven't seen him injured. Yeah. Like, Drew just picked up a body double. Yeah. That was not uh, James Marsters. And ran away, and that was the end of that scene. But we and we never learned anything else. So he has this incredible dramatic moment, and he has the one-liner to finish off the episode, and the music swells, and the camera shot is high and interesting, and it's great. But as soon as you start to think about it, you're like, "Wait, what does this mean? We don't have any uh, context for this. Mm-hmm. Why is this so important?" Right. I mean, I kind of just assume it assumed. It was like it's like Angel and Drew don't know that he can walk again. Right, and I assume that as well, but there's a lot of knowledge that goes into this incredible moment that they just kind of let you suspend your disbelief to have this moment. It's like, right. cool, great, disbelief, suspend a good moment. Okay, here's my disbelief back. I pulled it down, pulled it, pulled it back out of the cage. I'm going to let disbelief out. Why? How? What? Yeah. At the end of the day... It's a show about vampires. Yeah. Um, um, they had that weird moment of the half frame where the camera went at like half speed and the yeah. frames were um, almost stuttering. Yes. Right? Which was a strange effect. Yeah. That was basically just them showing that Buffy had entered possession world. Yeah. That of. she was like, I assumed that it was her being between the two like worlds or whatever like she was in her own world but also in the in james's brain and in his world or whatever like that's what i assumed it was it was very jarring yeah but not in a bad way yeah but it does take you out of the story for a moment because you your eyes have to adjust Mm -hmm. to it so you find yourself consciously blinking and realizing you're watching something and you're taken out of it in that moment which is strange i think it worked but i it's just such a it's such a strong specific choice Mm -hmm. that they have not made before on this show right i don't know if they would make that choice again but they make it here Mm -hmm. um i would like to talk about cordelia and her cracker cordelia and her cracker go right ahead (laughs) because they go to Buffy's house after they get all the wasps in front of the school or whatever. Yes, they and would have to not be at the school anymore. Because snakes and 
Snakes wasps. and wasps. Um, but they're at Buffy's house and they're talking. And literally Cordelia just has a saltine cracker that she's eating. Like it's in her hand the whole time. And it's very confusing and I don't understand. I bet that Charisma Carpenter accidentally had a cracker in the shot that they wanted to keep. Uh-huh. And then they went, oh shoot, she has a cracker. You have to hold this cracker the whole time now. Same hand, same way. Right. Congratulations, you have a cracker now. Because it's not even like she's fully just eating the cracker. Well, you can't for continuity. Yeah. Like the cracker has to stay whole. That's why people don't eat on TV. Yeah, and because move. they consistently have to eat it and then they get sick and it's disgusting. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so it's not like she's just eating this cracker. She's like nibbling on the cracker like a squirrel or something like i'm so confused why the cracker is there it has no purpose i was long live the cracker i remember it like very vividly and i was just real confused about cordelia and her cracker and the locker monster the locker monster was funny it came out of nowhere and it was funny there was a locker monster. The Loch Ness Monster? No, the a locker monster. Buffy's casual and inconsistent strength. Okay, so she kicked those doors so hard. (laughs) So hard. Your reaction to that was my favorite. (laughs) It was towards towards the end of the episode. They have to escape the school and the wasps. And the door is locked and barred. And Buffy says, move, I got it. And she breaks the door. Like, something doesn't just fall off. It doesn't just pop open. Like, the door splinters in half. (laughs) Both of them. It's a double door. She kicks the middle of it. The doors break, like, all the way down. Not where she kicked it. And the glass breaks, And the glass shatters and falls. And the doors are off their hinges. And, man. But uh, she couldn't do that when she was stuck in the closet. (laughs) When was she stuck in the closet? Multiple times. Okay. I'm specifically thinking <laughs> okay. of that episode at the end of season one where they tried to make you like Cordelia. And she's stuck in that closet. Oh, yeah. Okay. And she couldn't open the door. Yeah. But then she could gymnastics her way up into the ceiling. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Buffy's casual and inconsistent powers. I love this episode, but I have a huge problem in every television show or movie or anything with teacher-student relationships. Yeah. I have to say it because it's terrible. Like, I hate it. Yeah, and even from 1955 or whenever this is Mm -hmm. set. Like, it's probably even a bigger no-no in 1955 than it is now. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Like, she can literally be, like, a first-year teacher and be 22 and him be... A senior and be 18, and it's still not okay. Yes. And yet it continues to be a trope. I hate it. Yeah, we need to move past that one. Like, this, I think, is the only thing where they don't fixate on it. 
which is what I like about it in this, is that they don't fixate on the fact that they are a teacher and a student. Right. They also don't try to tell you that it's okay. Yeah. They Romeo and Julietta that hard. Yeah. He killed her and then killed himself. Yeah. So... And she breaks it off because she says... It's wrong. It's wrong. I want you to have a normal life. Yeah. And then they end up haunting the school for decades. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So it's been 40 something years yeah why are they still having sadie hawkins dances if bad things happen around the sadie hawkins dances <laughs> or has it been 40 something years and this is the first time that something's happened yeah i don't know i don't the first time giles and buffy have been here together something happens so they haven't consistently thought about it probably apparently yeah but yeah that jumped out to me i was like wait a second it's been 40 something years and this is they talk a lot about how tortured the soul is and how he just Mm -hmm. wants to escape and how he wants something to to happen so i'm like okay so you're telling me he's done this 43 times before Mm -hmm. and they're still having sadie hawkins dances right and also people don't just know this is a thing yeah yeah because they even said that they said why have we never heard about this happening. Right. It doesn't make sense. Um, the other thing, the one thing in this episode that really, really bugged me, and it was not a big thing, and I understand why they did it, <laughs> but it bugged theater manager me, technical director me. You do not leave all of those stand lights on. When? In the band room. All of those lights on the music stands. Oh, I didn't, didn't even know. They notice. had them all lit up because the room was darkened, but they had those yeah. on for ambiance. And it was an incredible shot. The lighting was perfect for that scene. It was so good. Don't leave those stand lights on. They are hot, they are expensive, and they're probably plugged into a series of extension cords that should not be plugged in as a series of extension cords. Maybe James was like. Yo, I'm going to kill myself. I need it to look beautiful in here. And went and turned every single one on. Except it was when Buffy was... It was when Buffy and Angel were in that room. So then James went and made her turn every single one on. Apparently. (laughs) Just enough to have correct lighting. He knew. Our last segment is Ryan Predicts Poorly. Next episode will be about a series of card games. Next episode is called Go Fish. It is. The next episode is Wentworth Miller in it. Great. I'm excited. So that brings us to the end of another episode of I Missed It. Thanks for listening along with us. You can find us on Twitter at I Missed It Pod. Uh, check out our network at ghostlightmedia.net. You can find our Patreon and our merch store there. Leave us a five-star rating and review. People have done that. We have, and there's a third person, and I don't know who that third person is. So thank you, third person. You can check out the rest of the shows on the network. Uh, Shows like Imprinted Echoes, which is a Numenera actual play uh, run by our friend Zan and is, in fact, family-friendly. I didn't know if you know that. They don't cuss on that show either. Nice. Yeah, we cuss a lot on Another Path, but we don't cuss here, and we don't cuss there. So, you know, 50-50, I guess. Hashtag teacher life. Yeah, uh, and then I was, 
And then I was on a few episodes of Shakespeare recently. We talked about Hamlet. Me. That'll do it for Buffy Season 2, Episode 19. I only have eyes for you. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brittany. And don't forget that performing rituals on top of a hellmouth is always a bad idea. Yep. Full stop. It's never It's going to keep happening. Yeah, seven seasons of it. <laughs>